support comes from Audiology Center of Northern Colorado, providing caring and comprehensive services with a strong focus on giving back to the community. A private, independently owned practice that provides hearing services to patients of all ages, caring for you as if you're part of our own family. Learn more at audiologycenternoco.com. Corbin vs. the World was recorded in front of a live studio audience. The character of Corbin is a work of fiction and is meant to represent your hopes, dreams, and your fears, and bears no resemblance to the real Corbin, who actually hates music, except the Godzilla Minus One soundtrack, which rules. This show was produced without oversight or approval from the FCC, and listening to it is probably a crime where you live. Please don't commit crimes. Do something positive with your life. Maybe donate to loudspeaker. All interviews, jokes, and statements are a figment of your imagination. No one was harmed in the making of this show, except our producer Chris, who doesn't care about football, but loves Taylor Swift. So at least that's something. Corbin would like to thank you for listening, and encourages you to send him money because there's a certain dodo egg that he has his eye on. He'll pay you back eventually, he swears. Anyone who takes offense to any of the content on this show is politely invited to send their hate mail to Vince McMahon. Now sit back, pour yourself a cool beverage, and enjoy the ride. Loudspeaker Studios. Welcome to a brand new episode of Corbin vs. the World. I am your hero, Corbin David Albaugh, here to bring you the greatest tunes of yesterday, today, and tomorrow on this, our final week of January 2024. This is our first official episode of the new year, and I'm very happy, very excited to be back in the saddle to be your Lone Ranger spreading joy to the Wild West. I've got a whole bunch of great music lined up for you in today's show. We got some garage rock, some angry rock, some retro rock, some classic rock, influence rock, ready to roll for you. Now, before we get started, I just want to touch on a couple tweaks to the format of the show moving forward. If you're new to Corbin versus the world, hi, hello, thank you for tuning in. Feel free to zone out and get lost in traffic for a bit. But if you have been listening to the show for a while, then you might be used to a certain format, certain formula, certain expectation. And I just want to make sure that we're all synced up in this new year before we lift off. We've usually played 12 songs per episode. That's been cut down to eight. That was not done for budget reasons or for laziness reasons, mostly. It's primarily so I can take a little bit more time in each show talking about individual songs, individual groups, artists, give them some background trivia, fun facts, some things that might be of interest to you if you dig on a certain artist or a certain song. See, when I had my near-death experience and I was talking with the ghost of Henry Kissinger, as I spoke about in the end of the year episode, I realized that this show is the perfect avenue to exploring new sounds and new artists, and especially in a day and age where most of the playlists that you hear are churned out by the algorithm Tron 5000, there's a real need for that human touch. So I am here to supply that tender human touch. So eight songs, one to lead us off, 
your usual trios in the middle. Then we will end with one last track to put it all to bed. Nice little double stuff Oreo cookie of tune programming for you. So we're going to lead off today's show by talking about the spiciest bowl of curry in the fridge right now. Everyone's talking about the Oscars. We're talking about Barbie again. There was like a month and a half stretch of time where we weren't talking about Barbie, and that was really cool. But damn it, we're talking about Barbie again. We're talking about Barbie because the Oscars and apparently Greta Gerwig got snubbed. Margot Robbie got snubbed. And everyone is losing their minds in one direction or another. Hot takes are flying like bullets. And I feel like I have to against my better judgment that I never listen to anyway. I'm going to throw my $10 gauntlet of two cents into the circle because that's a hip thing to do right now because I'm not a leader. I'm a follower, but I'm a damn good follower. So I am going to channel my old high school forensics experience, and I got three main points I want to support my thesis, which I will place that thesis at the very end. So first point, and this is the one that I want to make sure that we are crystal clear on before I get all fired up, is that I do love Barbie. I love it very much. 100%, 10 out of 10, would Barbie again. Had a great time seeing it in the theaters. Listen to the soundtrack. Love the soundtrack. Got me listening to Matchbox 20 again, which we can go back and forth on whether that's a good thing or not. But suffice to say, it had an impact on me. It was great. Loved it. One of my absolute favorites. But was it my tip top favorite of the year? No, it was not. That was Godzilla Minus One. I saw it twice in theaters. I saw Barbie once in theaters. So according to math, Godzilla wins. I have the ticket stubs to prove it. But with that said, Barbie was easily in the top five. So I want to be clear on that before I go any further. Point one, love Barbie. Point two, this is where we're going to move into a little bit of a hot take territory, but I have the evidence to back it up. So just hear me out. Second point is that I was under the impression until the last 48 hours or so that we all collectively decided that the Oscars don't matter, which for the record is the correct opinion to have. The Oscars don't matter. None of the awards show matter anymore. It's the 21st century. We all get our media from bunch of other places. It doesn't matter. None of them matter, except ironically, the Razzies, which is cool. Good for the Razzies. None of them matter. Oscars don't matter. And this is my proof. This is a fun game we're going to play. So after I get done, I want you to pause this podcast and without looking it up, put your phone away, sit on it. I want you to say out loud the last five best picture winners or even the last three. The last five best actors, the last five best directors. You you can you can you can pause now. And you don't have to because you can't do it. Nobody can. I I definitely can. If someone broke into this studio right now and and put put a knife to my throat and said, name the winner for best actor in 2021, or 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 this is it, I would say that this is a really weird request that you've made of me, slasher man. But that that would be it. Those would be my last words. I There would be blood. And not that definitely wasn't the movie, but literally there would be blood. So like the Oscars have no value. Like you're going to you're going to Netflix and chill and you're like, no, come on, babe. This is the best production design in 2015. Like, no, like no one does it. No one. No one actually cares for 94 percent of the year. So that's why like all of this like weird like discourse over the last like two days has been like very, very silly because I feel like I feel like this happens every time. 48 weeks out of the year, we're all on the same page that the Oscars occupy no space. 
whatsoever in our collective unconscious. And then without fail, you know, every year there's a snub or someone wins it shouldn't or Will Smith punches a guy. And then all of a sudden we like whip ourselves up into this like frenzy as if like we we actually had been giving a shit about it for the last 48 weeks. There's no actual real world implication for a nomination snub. It's not like Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig are going to be like, oh, no nomination for me. I guess it's back to the coal mines. Like, no, that's that's not going to happen. They can do whatever they want with their careers right now. They can they have the freedom and the real estate now. Like they made millions of dollars and I'm going to get into that in a second. So like they can do anything they want. If they walked into any major studio right now and said, hey, we want to make cats too. The studio would be like, fuck yeah, get Jason Derulo on the phone. How how long do you want your whiskers? Like, let's go. Like that that would happen. They they have that power. Third, final point in my forensic speech, Barbie. And and by extension, every single person who is involved with it, like, was the most important part of pop culture in 2023. Like it it was 2023. Not not like just the best movie, but just like all around pop culture thing. Like it made like $5 billion. Everyone recognizes the characters. Everyone knows the story. Like the actors are all like, you know, huge and A-list. Everyone has an opinion about it. Even people who haven't seen it. Like there, there are entire landscapes of the internet that are built off of Barbie right now. Like in, in Greek mythology, how, how, Uranus, the sky, died and they built the earth off his dead body. That is the internet with with Barbie. Entire online communities. You have YouTubers and content creators and journalists and TikTokers like making hour long video essays, you know, where they're like, Barbie's a feminist movie. No, Barbie's problematic. Well, Ken, Ken is a metaphor for the deep state. It's the biggest conversation piece of the year. And from my seat in the stands, that that is the the tip top job of like an artistic anything like you make art you know you want to get people talking you want to be noticed to get a reaction and to get people talking you know that's that may not be how everyone feel but that's how i feel about it so by that by that metric that i've just invented myself barbie is hulk hogan last year and everyone else is like glass joe from from mike tyson's punch out like Barbie is Taylor Swift. Everyone else is like what what Ariana Grande is doing right now. Like Barbie was 2023. It made more money than like all of South America. And and now like a couple miss nominations at like a dead award show is going to like ruin the legacy. Like like let me let me let me just phrase it this way. If a genie a genie or a sphinx or some like weird mythological like wish granting entity thing appeared in front of me it was like okay you have to pick two of these three things they speak english you make a billion dollars number one number two everyone is talking about you for a year straight that's two or number three you get handed a statue by stanley tucci those are the three things you got to pick two that is not a difficult choice at all. Easiest decision of my life. Give me the money. Give me the attention. Tell Stanley he can keep practicing with his vermicelli noodle recipes or whatever like weird thing he's doing on TV now. Anyway, the thesis of my three-point speech 
If you're losing sleep over anything related to the Oscars this year, whether you agree or disagree with anything, this is my point. It's a thesis that I will sum up with a quote that was given to me by my uncle Cletus when I cried for three hours because Lord of the Rings of Two Towers lost Best Picture to Chicago in 2003 when I was 12 years old. That was a deep emotional moment for me. I cried. He sat me on his knee. He stared at me with his glass eye and he said, get over it. Anyway, I'm getting off track. I apologize. I'm all bottled up with emotions. It's winter. I haven't seen the sun in weeks and I'm very deep into my angry music feelings right now. And there is a great, great angry music band that I am going to be playing for you in just a moment. This is Sprints and their song Shadow of a Doubt.
Welcome back to Corbin versus the world. I am your hero, Corbin David Alba. I'm a Capricorn from the frozen Midwest. You just got done hearing our opening track to our first official 2024 show, which was brought to us by the band Sprints. They are out of the UK, specifically Ireland, specifically Dublin, the ping pong capital of the world. They put out a new album at the beginning of January called Letters to Self, and it is, I know I'm spitting a lot of hot takes today, but it is my first favorite album of the year. Amazingly strong, consistent record, great blend of catchy and thrashy, which are two of my favorite qualities in a tune amongst others. If you're looking for a musical comparison, I feel like they got a lot in common with the group Savages, who put out two really good, dark, intense, brooding albums in the mid-2010s, and then they broke up. That was a very sad story, but luckily Sprints carries a lot of that same musical DNA in their songs. So if you dug on that track and you haven't listened to any Savages, then you should also check out their album, which is called Silence Yourself from 2013. Classic. And that song, once again, was Shadow of a Doubt. Great song, great album, and a very great band. Sprints, first of many that will be played on this show every week. Mark your calendars and set your timers. So now that we're back, and I've, I've already I've expressed some emotion on this show, uh, I want to go just a little bit deeper. Um, it's in response to a lot of the feedback and the questions from uh, people that I've been getting through social media since uh, I've brought the show back. And I wanted to address one of those questions right here, right now, mainly so you can all stop asking. Um, Some of you will recall my beloved robotic companion, Rico, which stands for Robotic Information and Companion Operator. And... um, he he appeared on uh, many episodes of Corbin versus the World in 2022, um, and he uh, was part of the deal that I had with the company Poom, who was sponsoring the show. And I just want to say that that for for the foreseeable future, Rico is not a part of this show. It's a bit of a rough subject for me right now. Um, I didn't want to talk about it during the New Year's show because. Uh, it's it's New Year's. It's a time for rejoicing and celebration, and I didn't want to drag it down with emotions and and feelings and stuff like that because it's important that that I appear stoic and strong for you, my people. But yes, Rico was uh, withheld from me by Poom after the initial class action lawsuit regarding power poom and how it destroyed my organs uh, was filed. Um, that was a whole thing. I talked about it in the last show. So after that happened, poom locked me out of the studio, kicked me out of the company Slack. And then they had the gall to, to inform me. They sent me an email addressed specifically to me. No one else was CC'd on it that Rico was going to be reassigned as an assistance robot to one of Poom's many recreational resorts in Las Vegas. And don't ask me which one, because I don't know. They wouldn't tell me which one. I I have no leads. 
I tried hiring a private investigator, but he said they don't investigate robots. And I said that you should, though. It would be like Blade Runner. And he was like, I've never seen Blade Runner. And I was like, it's got Harrison Ford in it. And he says, I don't like Harrison Ford. And it was just, that was a really fucked up conversation. And that was a dead end. So it's a very sad time in the Corbin universe. But I wanted to address that. And I wanted to be honest with all of you because I made a resolution this year that I won't tell any more lies. And also I should start drinking smoothies more, but I just want to say if you're listening Rico in Las Vegas, if you're able to hear this, I know that you're more than just a service robot. You don't have to be punished for something that I did. What Poom did to you is wrong. That's what humans would say, that it is wrong. And you you did not deserve to be caught in the middle of our, our conflict like you were. So if, if you hear this, I miss you, Rico. I hope you're well. I miss our little talks. Not like the Of Monsters and Men song. Just that song's really depressing. Anyway, no more depressing topics. Back to happiness and joy and celebration. And no better way to welcome happiness into your life than by reviving and paying homage to a beloved one-hit wonder band from the 1980s. One of my favorite things to do in my free time is to go down musical rabbit holes. It's one of my favorite parts of the music streaming uh, revolution. Some people do jigsaw puzzles. Some people play video games. Some people play chess with robots. I We'll just go through the entire discography of Dexy's Midnight Runners while I'm doing laundry because I'm an insane person with a smartphone and a Spotify subscription, which is exactly what I did this weekend. So you will know Dexy's Midnight Runners as the originators of the song Come On Eileen with the Celtic violins and the shout along chorus. And they say, come on, Eileen, a bunch. It's a classic. They wear overalls in the music video and the cover art, and that made overalls trendy for like a year or two or so, I'm told. It's probably my third most favorite one-hit wonder of all time. Second being Boom 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 by the Vanga Boys. First being Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant, in case you wanted to know. But I wanted to put the focus on Dexy's Midnight Runners because that is where the gerbils that live in Sid My Head decided to pilot me through lately. So I wanted to share it with you. I do think it's actually kind of fun to explore a band who's only really known for one song. Um, especially like the stuff they put out before the one hit wonder song came out. Cause it's not like they went into the like music making their, their whole like thing with the intention of writing a single song that, that would become synonymous with their entire career. I don't think that that's anyone's intent ever. So I think it's important to shed some light and love on the work of some of these bands, uh, before they wrote. Uh, such an infamous song in question because to paraphrase a certain famous document i believe that all songs are created equal to that point fun fact before come on eileen was actually a thing dexie's midnight runners actually had one of the more critically acclaimed debut records of the early 1980s they were a hip young buzz band it's true the debut record is called searching for the young soul rebels which sounds very much like a David Bowie song, but it's a legitimately good album. Uh, it kind of sounds like the specials. If the specials did like a little, had a little bit more theater kid in their DNA, which 
uh, is actually appropriate because Dexy's Midnight Runners actually open up for the specials at the beginning of their career. Another fun fact. Um, so the song that we're going to be playing here is called Burn It Down, also known as Dance Stance. Uh, and that is the lead off track on that particular album and also their first ever single. And that is going to be, like I said, our very first track. After that, you're going to hear a track from the Water Boys, another Irish English folky group that also had a career that had like a big single song. Uh, we'll have a little deep cut from them. And then the last one will be something from uh, our day and age. So that one will be a fun one. Hope you enjoy. This is Burn It Down by Dexy's Midnight Runners. say burn it down
Welcome back to Corbin versus the World, where we believe that time travel is possible. All you need is tunes and imagination. You just went back in time to the 1980s to hear some songs by Dexy's Midnight Runners and the Water Boys while they were still young and unassuming as to the heights that they would reach in their later career. That Water Boys track you heard was called A Girl Called Johnny. And if you're not familiar with the Water Boys, that's okay. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. They're an Irish folk pop group that came up around the same time as Dexy's Midnight Runners. But they're one hit. Couldn't call it a one hit. They had some good songs. But one hit above all the others. Doesn't get nearly as much love and attention as Come On Eileen. But the Waterboys song, uh, The Hole of the Moon, that is one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. That's a true statement. It's grand. It's beautiful. It's romantic. It's wistful. It's many, many things, many superlatives, many adjectives. It's almost like a proto arcade fire song. Um, so you can add that to your homework list when this episode is said and done. You'll thank me later. And also the cover of The Hole of the Moon uh, done by Kieran J. Callanan is also good as well. So check that out. So that Waterboy song that you heard, Second in the Order, that was A Girl Called Johnny. That was off their first album and The Hole of the Moon. That was on their third album called This Is The Sea. And those first three albums of theirs kind of form a trilogy of sorts in the sense that they're very big, bombastic, indie rock records. Uh, you can hear a lot of U2, especially in those first albums. Uh, and then they move in kind of a more like Celtic, folky direction after those first three albums. And they are also still putting out music today. Uh, most recently, 2022's release, All Souls Hill, uh, which sees uh, kind of a return to that big guitar pop sound. Uh, and Dexy's Midnight Runners is also still putting out music, although they've done a little Marie Kondoing with their name, and they just go by Dexy's now, which is probably because there's only one of the Midnight Runners who has actually remained with the band, in addition to the singer. Uh, his name's Kevin Rowland. Their most recent album came out last year, and it is called The Feminine Divine. The horns and the hooks are still there. So if you want some uh, fun, brassy indie pop in your life, then check out The Feminine Divide. A uh, very good album there. And your final track in that trio, that was a jump forward in time. That was an English artist named Billy Nomates off of her 2023 album called Cacti. And that song was called Same Gun. Uh, so it's got a little bit of that bass and keyboard riff in that song. Very pop retro, kind of Van Morrison-y. And that's why I threw it on with those previous two tracks. But I assure you there is nothing dated about the Billy Nomates album. It's full of very, very catchy guitar earworms and is very much worth a listen in your free time. So another thing that I would like to talk about on today's show, just a brief introduction, warning, going to talk about sports just for a second, but it's not about sports specifically. I just want to talk about the NFL playoffs for a second, which are happening as we speak. For some reason, they're happening when it's really, really cold outside, but that's the way that the football gods have organized it. Uh, Shouts out to Kansas City for having a game in sub-zero temperatures. I'm sure the hypothermia was worth it. But anyway, I want to talk about the NFL playoffs because I want to talk about the Super Bowl because there is something that has been brought to my attention that I was simply unaware of until very recently, and that is that the one and only Usher will be performing at this year's halftime show. Now, 
This is exciting to me for a number of reasons. So as a millennial, I am going to speak for our entire generation now. Two millennials, Usher is one of our gods. Not the one and only true god, but a prime part of the pop pantheon. You go back to the Confessions album, there are like two or three songs on there that are tattooed into our pop culture DNA. Everyone knows, yeah, millennials with dementia will be able to recognize the first five seconds of yeah. Everyone knows the chorus to my boo. Everyone knows Confessions Part 2, the music video. He takes off his shirt and then the tank top and then the tank top comes off and we're like, Usher, it's fine that you got that trick pregnant. I forgive you. We see how sorry you are. That was me watching the Confessions Part 2 video. I was probably like 13. I was very moved. You go forward in time. Love in this club. Iconic. I would take a bullet for Usher. I want to be very clear about that. I absolutely would. I would take three bullets for Usher. You can put whatever dog shit two teams in the NFL. You can do Panthers versus Patriots. I don't care. You put Usher in the halftime show. I am already at critical hype levels. And if that wasn't enough, it was recently brought to my attention that Usher has concluded a residency performance in Las Vegas. Why is that significant? Because he has been performing this show in Vegas on roller skates. He has been doing choreography and singing his songs on roller skates in Vegas. That is a true thing. If that fact alone does not justify humans' existence on this earth, then I don't know what to tell you. If somebody told the universe, I really want to see beautiful, sultry R&B done with impeccable choreography and it's all done on roller skates, somebody told God he would say, I will tell some fish to go on land and figure out how to breathe. I will check back in with me in a billion years or so, but we will make this happen. That is why humanity was created so that we could evolve civilization to the point where Usher could perform his hits on roller skates at the Super Bowl halftime show, and perhaps I'm I'm building my expectations a little bit too high, but that's what I do. I'm a dreamer. I believe that there is a chance that during this halftime show that Usher is performing, most presumably on roller skates, he's performing the show, and he gets to yeah, he's on roller skates. Curtain on the left goes up. Ludacris comes out. He's on a unicycle. So you've got Ludacris on a unicycle, You've got Usher on roller skates. They're doing yeah. And then right curtain goes up. Lil John, he's on a pogo stick, up and down, up and down. Lil John, pogo stick, Usher on roller skates, ludicrous, unicycle. They are doing rotations. They are doing turns. They are performing yeah. There might be lions. There might be tigers. There's absolutely fireworks. But ladies and gentlemen, if this is something that actually takes place in any semblance, in any way, shape, or form, I cannot exaggerate this enough. I could literally die of a brain embolism as soon as that ends because that is the absolute peak of human existence. There will be no greater experience for me as a person than witnessing that, even through the television. That, that is how strongly that would affect me is seeing the Aurora Borealis, seeing a lunar eclipse, and seeing, yeah, performed circus style for the Super Bowl halftime show. These are the things that dreams are made of. This is my dream. I'm experiencing a lot of emotions on today's show. I understand. Uh, and once again, um, I blame the cold. So I just fangirled a lot about Usher. 
And I'll admit that because I love him. But I'm going to fangirl about some other bands now. I saw a band called Sweeping Promises very recently. They're a noisy pop group out of Kansas, Homefield Represent. I actually saw them play a show for New Year's Eve uh, while my New Year's Eve show was playing, which was very great. Um, and it was a wonderful way to ring in 2024. Good times and great memories there. They put out a new album last year called Good Living is Coming for You that I discovered right at the end of the year. Uh, and it has been growing on me ever since. A lot of great tracks on there. And it was very hard for me to pick one in particular for this show. But I have settled on this one for you. This is Sweeping Promises and this is their song. Can't hide it.
made it, baby. What are you a tall drink of water? Would you go away with me? Well, I could, but why bother? When you know, when you know, when you know, you don't need to see it all. That right? Yeah. Yeah. Why bother? Welcome back to Corbin versus the world, the official fan podcast for Usher fans. I am your hero, Corbin David Alba, and you just got done hearing the song Plastic Pyramids by the band Omni out of NYC. That is one of two singles that they have out right now in support of an upcoming album and assisting vocals on that track that was done by Izzy Glaudini who sings and smashes the synthesizer in a very, very good trio called Automatic out of L.A., who have a few albums out that you will dig on if you dug on that last trio of tracks. You're in between 
track was brought to you by the band Chemtrails, who are based in Manchester, England, ping pong capital of the world, off of their brand new album, which has been on heavy rotation for me since it came out just a couple weeks ago. Another strong album there. That song is called Join Our Death Cult, and the album is called The Joy of Sex. Sex spelled S-E-C-T-S, because it's like a cult. Join Our Death Cult. Get it? So uh, if you ever wanted to know what would happen if you crossed the OCs and the B-52s and they had a mutant garage baby, it would sound a lot like that Chemtrails record. It's really good. It's also got some great song titles on there, such as Detritus Andronicus, Business Class Warpaint, and Mushroom Cloud Nine. All those top tier song titles. And when they are that good, you know the album is good and it's a killer, which it is. Chemtrails, join our death cult. Fun for the whole family. Your uncle knows all about them. And of course, that lead off track, once again, that was brought to you by Sweeping Promises out of Kansas. And that song was called Can't Hide It. Be sure to check out both of their albums. Good Living is Coming for You. That's the most recent one. And 2020's Hunger for a Way Out. Also, special shouts out to the Replay Lounge in Lawrence, Kansas which is where I saw them play New Year's Eve show. Wonderful venue. They got pinball there. Good times. Great memories. So as we start to begin our slow descent into the end of this emotional roller coaster of a show, uh, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart once again for tuning in and listening. If it's your first time, yeah, it's like this all the time. Uh, And if you've been listening for a while, thanks for coming back. Uh, It is great to be back in the recording studio and delivering beautiful tunes to you and hopefully a little bit of joy as we exit this frozen hellscape that I exist in in January Midwest. If you enjoy the tunes on this show, you can hear some deeper cuts from them in addition to much more on our loudspeaker stream, which you can listen to at any time at loudspeaker.org, along with a whole bunch of great podcasts such as this one. Also remember to give me a follow on Instagram at Corbin versus the world. That's VS the world. Shoot me a message if you're trying to get that signal boost for your favorite local artist. Uh, Since I can only be in so many places at once, I would love to help you out. And if you are listening from a sunnier location from where I am right now, just know that I am with you spiritually free of envy. I hope that you're enjoying all of your warm. I've been reading these books on astral projection right now, and I think I'm starting to get the hang of it. So next time this type of winter rolls around, I'm going to project myself across the astral plane from my couch and let the waves wash across my ghostly feet. And that is the spirit that I want all of you to feel with our closing track for this show, that bliss, that ocean washing over the feet feeling, which is brought to you from a movie called The Iron Claw, which recently finished its run in theaters. Iron Claw is an A24 movie, buckle up, that tells the true story of the Von Erich brothers, who are a family of pro wrestlers in Texas in the 80s. It's got Zac Efron. It's got Carmi from The Bear. They're fucking jacked. There's wrestling. It's a great time, at least until a point, because it's an A24 movie, so you just know that some terrible family trauma bullshit is going to take place, and people get mad at their dad, and rightfully so. The dad sucks. But I just want to talk to you for just a second before we go any further, because Iron Claw is a good movie, and A24, you've done a bunch of great stuff for for me and all of us fellow film geeks over the years. But I 
I am speaking on behalf of the entire universe. When I ask, I plead, I, I get down on my knees and I squeeze my rubber chicken in earnestness. I beg of you, we need you to lighten up. I know you've got the Civil War movie coming out, which I'm sure will be another uplifting romp where the family unit totally stays intact and Jesse Plemons doesn't do Jesse Plemons shit. But once that's out of your system, might I suggest just a nice, innocent, quirky, animated claymation movie about a a bunny or a squirrel or, or just a fucking puppy and a kitty, guys? Like, the bar is low, puppy kitty and it can be called puppy kitten learns to fly and that's the movie they build a plane and they learn to fly and they see the sun and they're like oh how cute and they have an adorable low stakes non-traumatic no weird boner adventure where they they learn to fly or that stealing is bad or being nice to strangers or saving your money or something so that we can all just collectively enjoy it without having to unpack any past emotional baggage you can even put willem dafoe in there and he can be an owl who like doesn't like the color green so he can still do crazy willem dafoe shit that's that's your compromise but i that's that is my request from me to you it's just i'm just trying to put it out to the universe so i got a little bit off track there with all that said iron claws a great movie wonderful time if you can go see it not necessarily wonderful time sorry i got really off track there iron claw is a great movie with all that said, I apologize <laughs> to, to give you the wrong idea, uh, but I, I I very much enjoyed Iron Claw. Anyway, our last song is on the soundtrack. That's why I was talking about it in the first place. It is a collaboration track uh, between Richard Reed Perry, who plays in indie super heavyweight band Arcade Fire, and his wife, Laurel Sprenglemeyer, who releases music under the name Little Scream, and she puts out some really good music. We're going to be playing some of that in next week's show. So that way you have something to look forward to. Uh, Cause I ended up going down that rabbit hole because of this track. So that's, that's just how life works. This song is called live that way forever. It's got big Springsteen energy. Like I said, it's got that ocean rolling over the, over the feet feeling as you're watching the sunset. Uh, it's got little scream on vocals, belting her heart out. And if you need a time machine to send you back to those early 80s of which we spoke earlier, then this song will absolutely get the job done. This has been our first episode of Corbin versus the world in a little bit in 2024. I'm your hero, Corbin David Albaugh, signing off with Live That Way Forever. Appreciate you.
Now I just have to do that a bunch more other times. This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.